You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BNH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Weitz. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. This week's show is kind of a hybrid. It's going to be a two-parter. On the first part of our show, we're going to be visiting at Photo Plus at the Javits Center, which took place last week here in Midtown Manhattan. And we spoke to a number of exhibitors. Among them are Orange Monkey, Hana Mule, Skywatcher, Fujifilm, and one of my favorites, Gibellini View Cameras. Just amazing, amazing cameras. On the second half of our show, we're going to be speaking with the winners of the B&H Photography Podcast, Panasonic Lumix S1 Sweepstakes. We had two winners of two camera systems, and we're going to speak with each one of them, find out what they think of their cameras, and what kind of photography they have been doing with them. But let's start off with our visit to Photo Plus here in New York City last week at the Javits Center. Hi. I'm Alan White, Kevin, B&H nice Photo Podcast, Jason right, and John. Um, can we talk a little bit about your product yeah. here? All right, we are with Kevin Lagore of Skywatcher USA of Torrance, California. And you have an interesting product here for doing astrophotography. Yeah, so these are the Star Adventures. And these are basically the key to step up from just doing your wide-angle 30-second shot on a tripod to doing those nice, detailed, structured shots of the Milky Way. Because as the stars move across the sky, you'll notice your long exposures streak and blur. So this is a tracking device. This is a tracker, yes. So we have a couple different uh, configurations of it, but the most popular one would be the Star Adventure Pro Pack because it comes with all the accessories you need. You just supply your favorite ball head and your favorite tripod, four double A's, and check your camera on there, and you're good to go. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Um... What are the longest exposures you can do with a system like this? So it'll vary between the focal length of the lens. Uh, for wide-angle work, I've done up to five minutes, which is plenty of time for yeah. your shot. Because normally what you're going to do is you're going to take a lot of uh, one or two minutes, maybe a little bit less, and then stack them on top of each other to reduce the noise and get more structure out of the shot. So, But it, it can do about five Five minutes I've done personally, and up to about 300 millimeter focal length, I've done about 90 seconds at that focal length, which is more than enough for you to get the detail that you need per shot, and then stack all those accordingly. Cool, cool, all right. And you got them again for different size cameras and telescopes as well. Yeah, so we handle, the the reason why we're here at uh, Photo Plus is the star trackers, the star adventures are really kind of where we enter this market. But then if you're interested enough in there and you want to start expanding upon it, we do offer telescopes and we go up to the $10,000 plus range and everything in between to make sure we've got support from the beginner to the advanced. I think they have one of those in my gym. Possibly. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a massive one. That's nice. If people are coming by B&H, you can go up to the second floor. We do have a Star Adventure display in the shop, so you can see a Star Adventure firsthand up on the second floor of B&H. So, in other words, there's a new excuse for coming to the B&H exactly. Superstore in Midtown Manhattan. Just go that's upstairs, great. find your camera, take your tracker, and go find a dark sky. There you have it. Okay, Kevin, Skywatcher USA, thank you so no much. No problem. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. It's great. Thank you. Perfect. 
Okay, we are with John Fuller of Chimera Lighting. And I just want to go on record as saying I have at least two Chimera boxes at home not, that still have the old straps behind them with Velcro, the original ones. I'm still using but 3x4 and a 2x3, and I think I got a strip light too, and they still work. That is awesome. You know, we pride ourselves on our quality manufacturing that we do in the United States and Colorado still, yep. and it's great to hear that after... I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years, that stuff is still kicking. I also once rented you 10 by 30 foot to photograph boats in a studio. We do, we have 10 by 20, 10 by 30, 10 by 40, and we've just come out with a new LED-based version, the F3. We don't have it here at the show, but maybe next year. Okay, well, what do you have here we could talk about? Anything new here? Well, we've got our panel lantern, which we've partnered with Lightgear on. Lightgear is a very well-known LED manufacturer that comes from the cinema background. So they have very good quality white light, and this is adjustable from 2800 to 6000 Kelvin, and it's a little two by two foot lantern format. So it's great for tabletops, it's great for faces, it's great for product shots, and it's really portable. It fits in a, all folds up and fits in a nice small kit. The shape of it is very interesting. If you can imagine an upside down pyramid, with flaps hanging on all four sides. So it really is like a lantern. It's, uh, uh, and again, it's all translucent white material, and you got, it looks like silver reflectors on the side panels. And I could see a lot of good uses for that. And you're right, the size is perfect. Yeah, it follows, a, it follows the form of our pan, uh, pancake lanterns, which come in various sizes and really work with other strobes, other continuous lights. But this was really specifically as a cross product to be able to work with still shooters as well as the video shooters. And all the silver flaps around the side we call skirts. They can all be rolled right. up and you can see one of them's rolled up. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that can be rolled up to, to allow a little light out or to control spill on a wall behind or adjacent to whatever you're shooting. Gotcha. All right. Terrific. Okay. And I said, I'm a longtime fan. Uh, and again, it's Chimera Lighting and John Fuller. Thank you for thank joining you. us today. Thanks for so much for stopping by. Have a great day. Okay. okay. Nice so does that great. work out okay? Yeah, it's great. Uh, good. Great. Okay, we are with Justin Cho of Orange Monkey, uh, which is an exhibitor uh, of folding light boxes. They're called the Foldio Foldable Studios. That's F-O-L-D-I-O. I actually bought one while I'm here. These are a brilliant design. Thank you. It's corrugated plastic, lightweight, and it comes with LED lights, both in the top and freestanding bars, and for product photography and, and stuff for eBay and, and just small product shooting. This is a beautiful design. What was your inspiration for this? Oh, actually, we we were we think about that uh, e-commerce users uh, who want to get the good pictures. Uh, so we think uh, our products has a fold, folding structure and good light and good CRI uh, and portable design. It just struck me. I've seen a lot of these in the past. I just love the fa the material is great that you're using. The way it folds up is great, and it's so light. I'm walking around the show carrying, I think, the larger size you have, and it works really well. I'm looking forward to using it. It's just a, a great design, and uh, people seem to be buying a lot of them here. You seem to be doing very well. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Any other products you're working on? Uh, yeah. Now we are working on new products for jewelry. For, for jewelry? Yeah, pro jewelry okay. Products. Yeah, and that, that one has a the turntable yes. and studio together. Okay, and you can buy these, you can buy just the uh, st the folding studio, you can buy it with the lights, and you can buy with turntables, there's different options that you have. Yeah, now. And they're priced really fairly, I mean, yeah, right. uh, especially if you have to do location work. Yeah, right. These are terrific, or just a nice small studio space. Yeah. Uh, I know this is gonna substitute for a lot of white seamless where I'm working. Um, great stuff. Again, it's the Orange Monkey, 
the Foldio Foldable Studio. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Okay. We're with Brendan Ramler at Fujifilm. Good to see you. I know you for how many years now? 80 zillion years? I think it's only 40 zillion. 40 zillion, anyway. Uh, so you got a couple of new cameras out now, or at least one new camera out now. We do, we have the Fantabulous X-Pro3 with its new titanium body in three style finishes, the Dura Silver, the Dura Black, and the All Black. Now that Dura is like a hardened, scratch-free finish or something like that? You already did your homework. You I already, did you already my made homework. this easy for me. Yes, I got my cheat sheets. Yes, that is true. <laughs> it is super fantastic, very durable, and uh, there are already, I see many tests going on, trying to scratch it with a knife. Scratch-proof finish aside, what other features does this camera have? Because I know this, it's more than a scratch-proof finish. Absolutely. Well, of course, the new 26-megapixel sensor, it has some really interesting features. So for first for us, it's a nine exposure, multiple exposure mode, oh, okay. which can be done in four different modes. So you could have an additive, an average, a light, dark, but you can shoot up to nine, or of course you could choose five, six, seven, eight, nine, which is I think gonna lead to a nice artistic approach by a lot of folks out there once they really get a hang of that. We've, first time we've incorporated HDR, so we've got an auto HDR, an HDR Super Plus, and then we've got different variations throughout it. We've got clarity control, so for people who know about the, slide, the clarity slider and some programs out there, it's going to give you that, that extra punch without giving you too much crunchiness that yeah, a sharpening yeah, yeah. may do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another feature I really love, which I, the first moment I got this camera, I pointed it out the window, we've got the chroma blue feature, which is basically like a digital polarizer. And I think that's been overdue, but you can set that for weak or strong, and when you're shooting skies, you can basically, it's like you have an electronic polarizer. Wow, okay. Of course, on your sweater here, we may be able to make you electric blue as well, but it's really <laughs> focused on skies. We have a new toning feature, so you can tone black and white images if you like. Nice. And we added a new film simulation, which I think is one of the most talked about things, which is the uh, new classic NEG approach. Also, of course, the subscreen, which shows the traditional that. film box, which is a little harder to show on a podcast, but the film box types are on the back subscreen, wow. which is very important. Now, that goes straight back. That is so retro because back in the day when we shot film, most cameras had a little slot on the back of the film door. You put the end of the film box in there and you knew what you were shooting. Now they're doing it digitally. I saw that when the camera was announced. I got a nice chuckle out of that. Yep. That was great. It is Lovely great. Touch. You know, it's nice to see when the, when the, when the companies, the electronic companies, and obviously us camera manufacturers, give that nod to the old days and say, you know what? Film is here. Our film simulations are powerful and very useful to people. So we just give you a nice little extra touch. It is a nice touch. It's good. Anything else from Fuji? Well, we're certainly, uh, we've gotten a lot of response on the GFX 100, which yeah. of course isn't brand new, but it's, uh, you know, being at the show, it's a, certainly a showstopper. Um, we have the new XF 16 to 80 F4, which is getting a great response here because once people pick it up, feel the compact nature of it, it's certainly a popular choice. Um, and what else do we got? I think that's, I think those are the main digital pointers for the new stuff. It's really all about the X-Pro3 and the, and the GFX right now. Okay, cool, okay. Brandon, thank you so much for talking with us. Good always seeing you, nice always. running into you guys, too. A triple okay. threat, glad to see you. <laughs> 
Okay, we are with Veronica Cutt of Hanamule Paper. Welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Well, thanks for joining us in the booth. <laughs> so you are manufacturing high-quality inkjet paper, fine art papers. Yes. Okay. Uh, the mill is 435 years old. So we make the paper, we develop the coatings that go on the paper, so we have a, an exquisite range of fine art papers. I think it's important to note that while there are hundreds of brands of inkjet paper, there are only about, what, three or four manufacturers, and Hanamule is one of them. That's right. Uh, We're the oldest German paper mill. Yep, and I've used it my, uh, their papers myself many times, and they're lovely, lovely papers. Uh, what's new in the Hanamule world? Well, yesterday at Photo Plus, we announced the natural line. So the natural line consists of three papers. There's the bamboo, which we've had for a number of years that shifted over to the natural line, but that now joins agave and hemp. Um, all three papers are a combination of these natural fibers plus cotton. So bamboo is 90% bamboo, 10% cotton. The agave is 70% agave and 30% cotton. And the hemp is 60 hemp, 40% cotton. They're all sustainably sourced fibers, so they're all environmentally friendly. Of the three, the bamboo is, is the warmest base tint. The agave and hemp are basically the same white point, so they're more, more of a neutral base. Now, do any warmer. of these papers have brighteners in them? No, no they don't. Uh, but I think it's also uh, uh, worth noting that brighteners are put into a lot of papers to make the whites very, very white, but they also kill the life of the print quite often. Is that correct or incorrect? My understanding is that what the what happens at a point in time is that the brighteners will begin to fade. So the paper then goes back to its natural base tint. Okay. So the natural papers essentially stay more consistent over time. Right. They won't have that same shift. Okay. And also you got the, the archival uh, qualities well, to and, that. And so these papers, as well as our other fine art papers, are all museum quality, acid-free, so with pigment inks, 100 years plus. I think what a lot of people don't get is if you look at the price of the papers and look at the price of your ink consumption, depending on what printer you have, what's really amazing is that you can truly make what we call museum quality, the highest quality prints, very inexpensively at home. Yes. And yes. for people who have not printed their own stuff, I think you're missing an opportunity to really see what your photographs really look like. There's nothing more rewarding than actually putting out a high quality print, especially one that has a nice tactile feel to it, which is another thing about your papers. They feel like heavy gauge, real, they're beautiful. Well, and it's just a different level of engagement. When you're looking at an image on a screen, yes. You see so much, but then when you have that print in your hand, there are details, there's almost an experience that is is it becomes more alive when you look at the image. And when you walk away, it doesn't go dark. Yeah, that's right. Which is what's another thing I love about them. <laughs> well, and it's, it, when you talk to somebody and you're actually showing an image, it, it creates more of a conversation. Because if you're looking at something on a screen, you're often just swiping from one to the next. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you linger more with a print. Yes, 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 absolutely true. All right, thank you so much. Okay, Veronica Cotta yeah. of Hannah Mule. Thank you. Thank you very much. Danke schön. <laughs> Have a good Thanks day. So Thanks so We are at the Viltrox booth, and we're with uh, Mendy Lee, and she's going to tell us about some of the new lenses you have. Now, these are lenses made in China, and there's also uh, mount adapters that you have for different cameras. So tell us a little bit about your product line. Uh, we, we have been, we have been ma making the lens adapter for almost 10 years. And now we have some new 
new new new adapters. We have adapters mainly for Canon EF lens to micro focus. Okay. Uh, Canon to EF to Sony E camera, and Canon to Fuji. And we also have a new model, uh, Canon EF to Nikon Z mount. And some of these are also uh, uh, amplifiers where they have optics in them as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We have uh, this. This is the best seller EF EF to micro focus. Okay. Yeah, it's a speed booster, and we also have. Adapter, and you also have lenses that you're manufacturing, yeah, yes. correct? Yeah, it's over there. Yeah, for already already available lenses, we have Fuji X mount 85 1.8, and um, for Sony E mount also 85 1.8. Both of them are auto autofocus, and we also have 20 millimeter 1.8 for Sony E mount and Nikon Z mount. Ah. Uh, they are manual focus. These are, these are hefty lenses. These feel pretty solid. They're very nice. And it's got a continuous aperture on there as well, so they're good for scene yes. All right, so for video shooting, these are actually very, very yes, good to we use. we have two new lenses for, for video shooting. Okay. Uh, it's for Sony E-mount and Panasonic L-mount. Okay, so there's separate lines here as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Both of them are manual focus. Yeah. And you have other focal lengths. You got a 35 1.4. Our new lens lineup, we have 22mm, 33mm, and 56mm 1.4 for Fuji X mount, Sony E mount, and Canon M mount. And these are all APS-C format lenses, correct? Okay, they're nice. These are lighter and smaller. These are actually really, really nice optics. And we do sell the Viltrox lenses, and these new lenses will be joining our lineup soon. Yes, yes, sure. Okay, with all of the adapters. Um, and these look like a nice uh, affordable option for those who need uh, some interesting optics, good focal lengths that are also fast and seem to be well built. I have to give them a tryout sometime. Okay, Mindy, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. Uh, thank you for reviewing us. Okay, we are with Alessandro Gibellini, and uh, he is the founder of the Gibellini Camera Corporation. Yeah, right. Okay, from Italy. From Italy. From, from Modena. Okay. From oh, Modena. Modena in Italy. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. First of all, I got to say that it, it, this is not just a view camera. This is a piece of artwork. This camera, look at, is an eight by ten camera. You make four by five and eight yeah, by ten. Yeah, four by five, five by seven, eight by ten, and that's ultra large format camera. So eleven by fourteen and sixty by twenty cameras. Full size. Now, what makes these so spectacular is the design. I'm using the word Jules Verne. It looks like it's it, it's it's from another time. It's 19th century, but it's made out of what? Titanium and aluminum. Yeah, titanium, aluminum, and also carbon fiber. Carbon fiber. And some of the components are actually 3D printed. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah. So we produce also some models with 3D printers. But also some of the detailing. It's like in the, I, I, what I'm really blown away is the fine focusing wheel you have in the back. Yeah. There are some small touches that here, and and, and the way things are hinged, and uh, the cutouts on everything. It's just it's it's absolutely stunning. I know I'm blabbering here about stunning, but they're just gorgeous cameras. Um, what made you get into this? Because this is a real niche market. These are not inexpensive yeah, either. Of These course, are pricey that is a items. niche market, but consider that the world is big. So I founded the company five years ago, and from a, a small garage of eight square meters. And now we have a 2,000 square meters factory with us a metrology lab where we can test everything on our components for the products and for the cameras to see the really precision on products. So, um, Consider that our new cameras, that one that is the Titanium, that is our flagship, is fully CNC made. So with really precise machines, 
and uh, there are the ball bearings on movements, so the movements wow. are really smooth, really smooth without zero positioning, and um, we do that with special features, for example, to hold the film holders with the action and reaction at the same point, so that the camera don't uh, shake on the tripod. And you're when also you're... making your own film holders, yeah, is that correct? Yeah, our own film holder, uh, aluminum made, also to make it precise, really precise. You are in a sense a 21st century Deerdorf because Deerdorf made everything in-house also. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they don't exist anymore, but yeah, no. you do. And it's, it's, it's just a refreshing take on an old topic. Are you yourself a photographer? I'm, no, I started when uh, when I founded the company. I was uh, studying civil engineering. Okay. But my father gave me uh, an old Pentax uh, 35 millimeters camera, and I immediately fell in love with the film photography. Uh huh. Yeah, and then I studied the photography, uh, my own, and I immediately look at the field camera like the best machines in the world. So I say. Why I have to I have to buy? I can make one by myself. So then I start with a wooden one. Of course, I started to produce the cameras. Just beautiful. I should also say now I, I, unfortunately now I, I have no time to make pictures. <laughs> <laughs> You're too busy making beautiful products. It's all, the presentation is beautiful. Um, how have photographers been receiving the camera? Yeah, many photographers. We have many photographers around the world that uh, use our cameras, and when they open. They think that it's a jewel, not not um, it's jewelry, not a camera only. And many photographers take it also for um, uh, collection. I, the first thing that struck me, I just want to see this thing sitting in my living room. I just want to look at it every day <laughs> okay, on a beautiful yeah. tripod. It is. It, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to call this artwork. This is an art form, and it's yeah, a, just a beautiful we started, rendition. We started a lot of the, the design, all every components. We, we spent many hours just to design one one single component, it, and it shows. Yeah, it yeah. really, really shows. Um, I, I strongly urge. We're going to have some pictures in the show notes to go along with this episode. But anybody who wants to take a look at these cameras, again, the name of the company is the Gibellini Projects and Company, and it's G I B E L L I N I. Check it out. It is a magnificent series of cameras. If you're into photography or just beautiful design. Definitely take a look at it. Alessandro, thank you for joining thank us today. So Good luck. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Great to meet bye. You. Bye, bye. It's great. Beautiful. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a short break and come back with the winners of the B&H Photography Podcast, Panasonic Lumix S1 Sweepstakes. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For links to gear and more information on today's guests, check out the show notes in your podcast app or visit our homepage on the B&H Explorer website and join the B&H Photography Podcast Facebook group. And now, back to the show. We are being joined right now by Joseph Lockwood, who is the winner of the Panasonic Lumix DCS1 mirrorless digital camera with a 24 to 105 millimeter lens. Welcome to the show and congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, where are we talking to you from, Joseph? I'm in New Orleans. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, close to New Orleans. All right. So tell us about the kind of photography you do. Are you, are you a working photographer or are you just an enthusiast? What's your, how would you describe yourself? 
I've actually went from doing it video, mostly video from like 2009 to now from um, part-time to full-time leveraging Instagram to get business. Oh, okay. And what kind of work do you do? Mostly work for like social media, like filming cars, commercials for like Hulu. And I've worked myself up to like pretty much like the Hulu stuff and then Facebook and website stuff, content. Cool. Okay. What kind of gear have you been using up till now? I've been using Sony, honestly, and um, getting this Lumex, like, man, it really is, it's scary different. It's way, the clarity of it's way better, and, like, the low light surprised me. I've used it, I haven't used it on a full shoot yet, but I used it to compare shots with my Sony, and it it was, like, a lot better, Hmm. like, tons better. (laughs) You sound sound surprised, or maybe disappointed. Yeah, I am, because I've been on Sony forever. I used Nikon and Sony and never used uh, Uh any of the Panasonic, so it's kind of cool. That's great. Now, when you say better, or, or, how would you describe that it's better than the Sony? Because you know, better could be a lot of different criteria. The clarity on it's better, and then like the noise. You always hear Sony has like the lower or better for low light and mm-hmm. the noise and stuff. And this just seems, I don't know, surprisingly better. Uh-huh. Um, well, interesting. The footage yeah. is more stable. Like it's got some state Im- image stabilization on the lens, and it just seems a lot more steady than the Sony. Uh huh. Uh huh. And are you using it mostly for video still, or are you taking stills with it also? All video. Oh, okay. All right, that's cool. And what was your Sony camera? What is your Sony camera? The uh, I have the A7S2, and then the A7 III. Oh, okay. So kind of loaded. Okay, so there. yeah, you yeah. have you have what to compare to. Okay, that's, that's good. Cool. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And what about like just the handling of everything? Is it uh, too big for you? Too small? You like it? How's things like that? No, that might be one of the things that I like better about it. Mm-hmm. Is I tell you, like the Sony, I use the twenty-four to seventy lens on it, mm-hmm. the G Master, mm-hmm. and it's so when you hold it, I, that's one of the issues. It's so um, awkward. It bounces back and down, up mm-hmm. and down. And this one, when you hold it, it's just more level. Interesting. So the and way, I'm not the, paid by Lumex to say this. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, is it a matter of balance between the camera and the lens? Is that what you're referring to? In other words, it's, it, it's, what I'm gathering is that the, you feel the Sony is uh, front-heavy or lens-heavy. Is that uh, what you're saying? Yeah, when you add a different Sony lens on there, it is front-heavy. And this one with uh, the 24 to what is mm-hmm. 105, it just yeah. seems more balanced. Oh, and cool. like even with the F4, it's surprisingly... like. I think it looks better than the Sony. I took shots side by side. I'll have to upload some for y'all. And you also might find that one's, one, one system is better for one thing and one for another. There's, you know, That's another thing. What kind of work are you doing? One system might be preferable to another for any number of reasons. How do you find the menus on the uh, Panasonic? Honestly, I haven't used it like a ton like that. I'm trying to get it get into a workflow where I can use it, but not on a paid job. I don't want to find out the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, so know what you've learned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One time I shot, uh, the first time I got a Sony camera, I saw all those ads for shooting in uh, S-Log and stuff, and I thought it'd be cool to shoot in S-Log. I had to reshoot that job. <laughs> it, it did not come out like the commercials. Yeah, I remember one of my earliest jobs. They asked me, "Do you know how to work a Hasselblad system?" I go, "Absolutely." I never touched one in my life, and I had to start shooting that afternoon. Boy, you never saw me busier in a lunch hour than that. I learned how to use that system real fast. <laughs> yeah, I've learned you don't try stuff on new jobs. Like try it out before. 
uh, I'm also a Sony user. A lot, a lot of people are around here are, are use Sony's, and their menu systems are like really over designed and, and kind of crazy. And I think if you can master the Sony, you can master pretty much anything. So it's got to be easier. So, question: If people, if people would like to see what kind of work that you're doing, uh, where could they see your stuff? Um, you go to my Instagram. It's called Beyond Media Br, and it's got some of my most recent video clips and some drone work that I've done on there. Hmm. What do you shoot? Check what, it what, out. What's your drone with? What do you shoot with a drone? Which one? Uh, I've got the Phantom Four mm-hmm. Pro, the the black one, mm-hmm. and I'm yet to switch to the the Mavic Two, right. Mavic Pro Two. Right. I want to, but like I, I'm a, uh, I use the sixty frames a second and four K a lot. So it's kind of, eh. That sounds interesting. I'd like to see that stuff. Uh, and uh, what kind of, I'm just curious, uh, for the work that you do, What what is the, some of the drone stuff you're shooting? I'll incorporate that usually like in, uh, I do photography with it. Yeah. To actually leverage my Instagram to do some cool stuff on there to attract people to it. Gotcha. Then I'll just throw it, like whenever I do car shoots or something, I'll throw drone work on there. But I flew a drone actually for about a year and a half before I actually started doing it. Mm-hmm. And I believe it or not, in my first two months, I crashed four of them. I believe you that. Know? I, I, I have no doubt. I did the same. But except I stopped <laughs> it too. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep going, man. You just got to push and push through it. And it'll get um, you know, it'll get there. You just run out of cash. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty like an experienced drone shooter to me. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, real quick question: How did you uh, hear about the the podcast, the BNH podcast, and the and the comp- the uh, sweepstakes? I was on BNH's website, and then I saw that um, the ad for the S one on there, yeah. and then the podcast info. So I hopped on Twitter, and I'm not on Twitter a lot, but I just got on there and like. Honestly, I never fill out the things for contests. And when y'all sent me the the notification saying I won, I thought it was a lie. <laughs> I was like, man, whatever. This is, a, this is a mean joke right here. Okay. I want to respond to it. It's terrible. This is a good time. Well, I think. Then, what, what convinced you to, to respond then? I mean, what made you believe it was real? I don't know. I wanted to believe it was real, but yeah. I was like... Yeah, I just didn't want to get my hopes up. Right. Well, it came in the mail, so it must be real, right? Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I know. But, but here's the funny part, okay? We need the camera back. <laughs> you know, I was waiting for that. I was like, man, they're not going to send this thing. I'll believe it when I see it. We have wicked senses of humor. We tease like you wouldn't believe around here. <laughs> I know. All right, man. Well, uh, all right. Anything else? No, um... I mean, thanks. When's the next contest? I want to enter another one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joseph Lockwood, thank you so much for joining us. Thank y'all. Okay, we are being joined right now by Roger Longenbach from Austin, Texas. And Roger is the winner of our Panasonic Lumix DC G95 mirrorless digital camera that comes with a 12 to 60 millimeter lens. Welcome, Roger, and congrats. Good, thank you. Nice to be here. That's terrific to have you on board. So uh, you've been, you got the camera now for a few weeks, and you've been playing with it? Yes, yes, I have. And your initial impressions? Well, it is so light compared to, like, the Sony full frame, the a7 III. Um, that was, like, my first reaction was I picked it up. I was like, what? Uh, uh, this this can't be right. Um, <laughs> um, but... It was, <laughs> But <laughs> and then, of course, um, going back to being able to have the forward facing screen, 
Um, it's something I haven't had in a very long time. So that was my initial reaction. I have been very, very impressed with how sharp even the kit lens is on it. And what, you gen- what do you shoot generally? I mean, do you have a, a style or a, a, I don't know, a subject that you, like, you return to? Um, you know, I like to get back to my wildlife photography. I did a lot of local, um, like migratory birds. You know, we occasionally get bald eagles nearby here in Austin. I'm right on the edge of a, of a non-endangered species wilderness preserve at my house. So we have a lot of, you know, not really songbirds as much, but, uh, just smaller birds. And, um, then I also just, you know, like to take a lot of pictures when I travel to various places. Um, not really into portraits, but you know, the family type pictures basically. So you said that the, you found the kit lens pretty, uh, well, I don't know what's the word, uh, you liked usable. it. You liked it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would yeah. You, is that something you will stick with for this system or are you going to try to, uh, try to work it a little bit and, and look for a prime or, or uh, even a higher end zoom. I've just heard some amazing things about the, the, the Leica, was it 10 to 25, 1.7? So in general, so, do you feel that uh, going to uh, micro four thirds is, is comfortable enough for you? Because you've had full frame cameras, including film cameras. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so, so you have some good experience. You're you're not just a novice at this. You've you've been around the block <laughs> with different camera systems. So, taking all that into consideration, how comfortable are you now with Micro Four Thirds? Uh, I know resolving power wise, as far as clarity, it's it's there. Uh, how how yes, else do you it find is. it? Yeah. That I mean, that's and I'm I'm very you know I'm very 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 excited. Even what the other side of that spectrum is is the size. And the weight of the the Panasonic is it Leica the Leica 100 to 400 millimeter lens, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to get 800 millimeters of reach with that size of a package is just I mean I can't I can't beat I can't beat that at all. Uh, what's the furthest you've pushed the ISO so far in the camera? Have you played around with some of the higher ISO ratings? Because it goes up to what 25,600, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I'm trying to remember if I went above that because what I also did is I did adapt um, because I got it. You know, one of the advantages is that you can adapt so much vintage and legacy glass. So I have a classic. Well, I wouldn't say classic, but it's an autofocus Nikon seventy to three hundred uh, D lens. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, an old one of the, the old screw mount. So I know it's going to be manual focus, no big deal. But I adapted it on the Panasonic, so I have a six hundred millimeter, and um, I'm trying to remember what I pushed it to. I think I got it up to about sixty four hundred, even in daylight, because I mean, um, that lens at, at three hundred millimeters is already at like f eight, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's at f eight at that point, but I was just amazed about how sharp, you know, that was that vintage glass, even on, you know, the micro four thirds, 20 megapixel sensor, it was still so sharp. You shoot um, any I mean, video the lens with- itself. Good. Did I have, have I shot the video with it? No, no, I have not yet, but that's on my to-do list. Let me ask you, you had mentioned that one of the first thing you noticed was that the, the screen that, you know, it flips back. Yeah. Do you shoot with the, uh, the LCD or do you use the viewfinder? Um, I try to use the viewfinder. And how do you um, find it? How did you find the, uh, but, the electronic viewfinder? There view was, um, 
Yeah, but I was, uh, I'm trying to think. Some of the, the sample shots I did, it might be my style that I'm used to the little slide down LCD screen from the, the current Sony generation, mm-hmm. um, where if you're, instead of bending down, you can just, you put the camera down and then slide down the screen so you can look up right. like it's an old, you know, an old medium format camera. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, do that a lot I did I did flip out the screen and use the LCD to be able to get the different vantage point angle shots um, just to, you know, do some testing of it. Hmm. Um, the yep. only downside with the LCD screen that I had was that I have to probably turn off the touch screen because my nose would, if I didn't flip it around, my nose would change the focus right, point. And I'd right, be like, right, right. why are you focusing on this other thing? That is a very common like, problem yeah. with touch screens. You're, you're not alone in that. Is the battery life been okay when you've been using the screen? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I'm used to the, you know, the old Sony battery life, mm-hmm. which is not the greatest. So um, it's been, it's been more than acceptable. Cool. Um, I think I found that the industry standards for battery life is not take into effect my shooting style. So um, it lasts a lot longer than what they're, they, what they claim. Oh, that's good. You know, 200 and some shots. I'm like, no, no, no. So do you think that, uh, or how do you see you incorporating this camera into your, into your photography, given that you already have, you know, a mirrorless full frame and sounds like a couple other cameras out there. It would be my primary for wildlife because you need that extra reach right. with wildlife. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. The Sony, the new Sony to six two hundred to six hundred is is great, but um, it's big, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not gonna. I don't want to lug that all over the place. Right. But because um, this this camera is just so small compared to the full frame, so I could see myself taking it on times when I wasn't bringing my full frame yeah. uh, everywhere. Yeah. This might become my primary and I only use the full frame for, you know, extreme low light, you know, yeah. wide angle shots that I absolutely need that extra, that extra push of the size of the sensor and the size of the pixels or do I just dump full frame? I haven't made that decision yet. So. Oh, wow. Wow, interesting. Dumping full frame. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Roger, uh, uh, congrats again. We're, we're, uh, we're glad yes, to know you. that not only did you win the camera, but you like the camera and you're enjoying it. Uh, and and yeah. that's the best part of the whole thing. Okay. Yes. Roger Longenbach from Austin, Texas, the winner of the Panasonic Lumix DC G95 mirrorless camera with 12 to 60 millimeter lens. Congrats again. And thanks for yes, joining thank us this morning. Yes, thank you. All right, be well. Okay, thanks, Roger. I'm going to click. Thank you, Roger, and thank you, Joseph. And thank you to all the vendors who took the time to speak to us uh, last week at Photo Plus at the Javits Center. We hope you enjoyed this show. For more information on all the products that we were talking about on today's show, just hit the show notes. Links are there, along with photographs of many of the items that we discussed today. In the meantime, if you're not a subscriber to our show, no reason why you can't be. It's free. It's easy. Just head over to Apple Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you might like subscribing to podcasts from and sign up. In the meantime, my name is Alan Weitz. I'm your host. And on behalf of John Harris and Jason Tables, thank you so much for tuning in today. 